and a very good evening to you. Thank you so much for being here with me. Welcome to Catholic View on Radio Veritas. I'm Sheila Pirch. Today we bring you a different type of Catholic view as we're celebrating Women's Day in South Africa. I thought it would be nice to just focus on that as well as a little bit more of something else. So we begin the broadcast with the first annual Africa Spelling Bee Challenge. And then we'll take a look at the International Day of the World's Indigenous Peoples being celebrated today, the 9th of August. And then, of course, we take a look at hashtag 60 years women united and hashtag women's day. Thank you so much for being here with me. You are listening to Radio Radio Veritas. Right, we begin today's Catholic view by taking a look at the first annual Africa Spelling Bee Challenge. Nine spelling bee organizations from across the African continent came together to host the first ever African Spelling Bee Championships that was held in Johannesburg, South Africa, on the 16th of July, 2016. I spoke to Nsakom Kabela about both the African and the local spelling bee competitions. From the beginning, we've always aimed to, to see how we can expand the spelling bee beyond beyond our beyond our own borders, and um, and so when we started with the Vantage um, Spelling Bee, and we we then formed um, a partnership with with Spell It South Africa that also runs um, educational programs in South Africa, we then started seeking out and finding other. Other, other, other spelling bee organizations across Africa and were able to find nine partners from Lesotho, Botswana, um, Uganda, Kenya, Malawi, Nigeria. I think, I think those are all the partners that we're able to find for, uh, um, for this year. And then together we created the Africa Spelling Bee. And it's really part of um, a move for us to take literacy literacy and the cause of literacy for the African child beyond our own countries, but to make it a continental concern and put it back on the agenda again. Now, obviously, this competition is done in English, right? It's done primarily in English, but what we were able to do, what we do with the Zanti Spelling Bee, is that we have sections of words that are based purely on South Africanism. So new words, words that are really hybrids of other words around Africa, um, words that are unique to this part of the world. And what we then did with the with, with the Africa Spelling Bee is to ask all the African partners to contribute words that they could add to the Spelling Bee. So we have words from Swahili, from Igbo, from Shona, from Kosa. So, so that what we begin to have is an African child as opposed to a child locked to a particular geographical boundary. Interesting you mentioned this. Um, seeing that this is the first annual African competition and already you are looking at um, other indigenous languages such as Shona, like you've mentioned, uh, such, you know, local languages. I, I, I won't mention all of them. I'm not quite good at them. But mm-hmm. how do you assess the competition when it comes to children or young ones competing in their different home languages, mother tongue languages other than English? How's the assessment done? I think there we choose a lot of words based one in phonetics because a lot of our languages are, are are simpler in that the word that you say is the word that you're going to spell. And English always poses a challenge, and I think that's why the English spelling bee does so well because English words are essentially these tricks where what you see, what you hear, what you say is never 
that, that doesn't always have to be um, related, right? Um, whereas a lot of African languages base themselves in, um, in phonetic pronunciation as well as spelling. But I think also what, what we were looking at was looking at words that have become Africanized. So um, if I say jumbo to you, which is Swahili for hello, you kind of begin to understand what I'm talking about. If I say wahala, which is um, um, kind of a Nigerian pigeon, but it means problem. So if I say ah, no, no wahala, soon enough, in the next 10 years or so, every African child is going to have um, some, some concept of what that means. As African people become more and more confident to move between each other's countries, and also, I think, between each other's cultures, um, as people become freer in um, interacting with each other. So we, so we base them on, this, on, the fact, on how the words are used, as well as um, the, the spelling of the words. But, I mean, I thought other, other languages, like, say, Sotswana, um, kids from Botswana pose r- real challenges for us because a lot of the words are really difficult to spell. And so we had to eliminate some of those because if a child is coming from um, from Ethiopia, they wouldn't be able to relate. So, so it, it 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 was a long debate, and, and 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 I think it was a struggle for us to come up with the word list. But once we did, it was a word list that we felt was fair and 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 one that the majority of the children could work with. Now, looking at the African continent, we have quite a number of official languages. We have Portuguese, we have French, and in some cases, uh, Spanish. Going forward, what are you hoping to do in, with regards to these other languages? I mean, surely um, we are we're, um, in, in the first start focusing our attention on um, Francophone, uh, I mean, Anglophone Africa. But um, we have an excluded country that don't use English as, um, as a lingua franca, if you will. For instance, we have kids coming from um, from Ethiopia, where English is only taught as a, um, a second or a third language to the children. But for us, it's like um, we kind of set soccer as where one would set um, a boundary with sports, where you would say we're a soccer competition or we're a rugby competition. So we we are still primarily an, an, an English language-based competition, but it isn't necessarily um, restricted to Anglophone-speaking countries, because a lot of our other African countries actually learn um, languages beyond um, the main language. So you you could be um, a French country and still have to take English as 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 a se- as a second and third language. But I think what's really cool for us is that we are constantly working simply to improve literacy for the African child. So beyond just the spelling bee, we're able to now have um, essay writing competitions. Um, debate competitions, and I think those fears will, will enable us to move beyond just the English spelling B, but we'll be able just to um, play within the broader space of literacy and um, getting children to either write or read. No, beautiful stuff. I think it's a beautiful concept. It's a great idea. And not only uh, teaching the child, but also uniting the continent through literacy. But now let's talk about the competition itself. How do you select? Let's talk about selection process. Right. So each country um, has three country country representatives. And for South Africa, we ran the Mzanti Spelling Bee, and so the junior and the senior winner of the 2015 Mzanti um, Spelling Bee were the, were the automatic choices for us. But our, our 2015 competition actually ran to a tie 
in both categories. And so what we had was that we had a we had a Skype call, um, Africa Spelling Bee runoff, where each, you know some of the children well, one was in Kimberley, the other in Limpopo, and I think two were in Johannesburg. And we had them do a Skype um, spelling bee, and the one to get the most out of the 20 words was the one then that would be selected. So that was quite a fun um, selection for us. And then the third speller came from the um, spelling bee that the Department of Basic Education does with um, grade four to six, I think, that they do with um, with kids who go to government schools. So we were able to, to um, use our official spelling bee activities um, to to select the final children who represented South Africa at the African Spelling Bee in July. Fantastic. Now let's talk about South Africa. Seeing that this year's competition, the African Spelling Bee competition, is done, when is the next one and how can kids participate? Right. So as I, as I mentioned, that we, we used the winners of the Zanzi Spelling Bee as the official participants of the African Spelling Bee. Uh, we are right now until the 25th of August open for participation in the Mzansi Spelling Bee. And this is open for all children um, ages 9 to 17 in, in any school. So whether it be private schools, home school, as well as government school children, they're, they're free to go to mzansispellingbee.org and find application forms. And then the winners or the top spellers from that process would then go to um, the, the 2017 African Spelling Bee. So up our process is essentially a year and a half long in that in, in the first year you do Mzanti Spelling Bee and then um, the term, and then in the first half of the next year then you participate in the African Spelling Bee. And where will the African Spelling Bee competition take place next year? In Ethiopia. It came to a vote and we all agreed that Ethiopia will be um, being the home of the, of the African Union. Um, it just seemed like a, like a good next step towards growing um, the for the African Lovely. So in other words, uh, kids in South Africa wanting to participate in the Mzanzi Spelling Bee competition, they can just log on to the website. They don't necessarily have to go as a school. They can go as individuals. Yes, no, they can go as a school, they can go as a classroom. Um, they, they can also go as individuals because we, want to, we, we don't want to pose too many restrictions to children entering. If your school is not interested, you can still do it on your own. Well, Ntako, thank you so much for your time. But now before I let you go, it is Women's Month. And of course, the 9th of August is a day that we remember uh, women, the 200,000 or more women that marched um, protesting about equality, human rights, you name it. What are your thoughts when it comes to Women's Day, especially after 20 years of democracy in South Africa? year um, since that march to the union building that the women took and I think that South African women have been central to the struggle against the past age, against any um, oppression in the country and have held the country together and I think as we head towards the 60th year of celebrating women I think it should become more um, a human rights thing so I, w- I would love to see more more boys being raised to be to be to be woman sensitive. I'd love to see more men, more families um, taking up the cause to know that women have to be safe in this country. To know that the struggle to make sure that women are treated as equal human beings is not just a woman's struggle, but really a struggle for all of us. Thank you so much for your time once again, and enjoy Women's Day. Thank you so much.
When it comes to true educational quality for the world's indigenous peoples, nation states need to work together with local leaders and embrace their common heritage. That's the view of Carla Williamson, who is the former executive director of the Arctic Institute of North America. She'll be speaking at the UN on this Tuesday, the 9th of August, also known as the International Day of the World's Indigenous Peoples, which this year focuses on the right to education. Miss Jensen Williamson told Matthew Wells how the peoples of her own region were confronting the issue of educational opportunity today. There's an incredible amount of expectations of the delivery of good education to the Arctic learners, regardless uh, their culture, regardless their languages. And there's a lot of hope invested in the education system to, to, to do a better job now that most of the uh, indigenous uh, peoples have gained self-government in the in the Arctic. So you yourself are an Inuit, um, and you uh, were educated yourself in Greenland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's right. I'm a, an Arctic person myself by heart and soul and physical being. That's what I am. I was born in, uh, in Greenland, where my uh, family was in a very, very teeny little town, no more than 20 houses. And like many other peoples in the north, we were relocated. Uh, so I grew up in a bigger town and went to school there and was totally immersed in the uh, Danish school system, which was uh, to assimilate us into becoming Danes. There has, of course, been a problem of educational inequality between the indigenous and the non-indigenous. It's been persistent for, for decades. I mean, and we now have this um, sustainable development goal number four, which which does specifically enshrine the rights of, of the indigenous in terms of education. Yes, education is very much related to that of sustainability, and that has to do with that of resources, whether these are uh, natural resources or non-renewable resources. These are very, very important ones for the future of the indigenous populations around the world. And for my purposes, uh, there is indeed always that exploration going on as far as the resources, non-renewable resources are concerned, to try to see what kinds of uh, new things can be found that are good for the nation states. But um, with these self-governments for the future, I'm hoping that much more will be dealt in a way that uh, the benefits actually go to the indigenous populations rather than just being extracted for the sake of non-indigenous populations. Are you satisfied that the UN is doing all it could and should be doing on behalf of the indigenous in terms of this crucial field of education? I find it absolutely uh, so hopeful that the uh, UN is doing something about that, specifically in the area of uh, indigenous education, because nation states have really very little interest. They have um, put very little interest and funding and hope, you know, and heart into the education of indigenous populations. And with intervening of these kinds of situations, there is at least a hope. And uh, I'm hoping that in the future that uh, nation states will be able to connect to uh, learn as to what the colonial system has done to the indigenous populations, but how we can actually transform ourselves. And in terms of protecting the vulnerable indigenous communities, in terms of the climate change agenda, are you happy that uh, that obviously the indigenous were specifically mentioned in, in, the, in the Paris Agreement? Uh, 
and that their interests are also being seriously uh, considered? Absolutely. I mean, we are undergoing climate change and Arctic peoples are the first ones to have made a note of that and, and said over for more than 20 years that the climate is changing and very rap- rapidly so in the Arctic. And so Arctic peoples have been warning about the uh, climate change. It's 20 years later that you are feeling the uh, effect here in the uh, so-called South. And in that regard, uh, the experiences are much more immediate and urgent as far as the uh, peoples are concerned, indigenous populations are concerned, because they're coastal people. Most of them are coastal peoples. So what's the single biggest change you'd like to see happen when it comes to uh, making the education system more equal and uh, allowing greater access to indigenous people? Dignity, respect, and for people to be able to continue their lives, as in the case of the Arctic peoples, living in the Arctic. That's really what the the call is about, is uh, to be able to show the world that we can look after ourselves, we can sustain ourselves, we can look after the environment and be stewards and stewardesses for the uh, environment and continue a life that benefits not just us living right now, but future generations, but also be respectful uh, in dignity of the uh, ancestors uh, that, that survived for so many years. And you think that nation states will listen? after all these decades of, uh, of, many would say, neglect and just not taking your issues seriously? What I find astounding is the uh, staunch uh, uh, response from uh, the nation states of not wanting to teach the learners in their countries about peoples of the Arctic. I find that just totally wrong. I mean, why wouldn't the Danish kids learn about Greenlandic kids. Peoples of the Arctic do enjoy their nationhood. You know, people are very proud of being Canadians. They're proud of being Greenlanders, Danes, you know, and Norwegians are proud of being Norwegian. Sami are proud to be that and this and that, you know. So let's do things together, not being interpreted in a wrong way, not to be seen in a some kind of uh, static, uh, long time ago Eskimo or some time ago lap, you know. That's not what we are about. We are about real people today and in the future. Watinta bafazi, watinti mbogoto, uzo gufa, meaning if you touch the women, you've touched the rock and in fact you'll be crushed and you will die. Hashtag 60 Years Women United, Hashtag Women's Day. That's the slogan throughout the day and I think throughout the month too as South Africa celebrates another Women's Day on this the 9th of August 2016. I'd like to bring some inspiring words from different South African icons that I've spoken to over the years. We start with the internationally acclaimed composer Dorothy Masuku. 
met Dorothy. How do you see women today from the times that、uh, you were you were young artists, the times that you experienced exile, the times that you came back to South Africa when, as you mentioned, Nelson Mandela was free? How do you see the the change in women, African women, up to now? Yeah, the, the change in the African woman is is very nice because at least women are being recognized to、uh, do certain jobs. You know,、uh, women are now、uh, bosses in their in their departments and all that jazz. But my regret is only that women, African women. You see, when I say African, I, I, I'm talking about people like. Even a, a white woman who was born in this country, in Africa, even African woman. Now, a woman like that has lost wo- African womanhood. You know, an African woman is different from the Western woman, because we have lost a lot of respect for our men,、uh, male parts,、uh, uh, 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 male male、uh, husbands. We we、uh, we are saying equal equal rights. Yes. Okay, equal rights in in the working places. I agree.、Mm-hmm. But equal rights in the home, it's wrong.、Mm. Because as an African woman, you know those old African women would go to the fields and be working together with their husband. And when you come home, you、mm. are still going to cook for the same husband. That's true. Bath the children. Mm-hmm. Do all kinds of things. Start cooking, and yet you've also been to the fields with your husband.、Mm-hmm. And this is what African woman in this Africa has lost,、mm-hmm. which is very sad, because、uh, you know this is shocking. I、mm-hmm. mean, I've, I've been to the Western world. I, I know、yes. what I'm talking about. Exactly. You know,、yes. I've, I've, I've lived in America. I've lived in New, in, in London. I've, I've lived. In, I've been in the in the Western world, as I'm saying. You know,、mm. and 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 not only in 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 the cities. I've been in the villages. You know, in in in, in England, for instance.、Mm-hmm. And I, I know when I say a white life、mm. is very different from us. Africans、mm-hmm. here in this country, and this country, most of the modern so-called women, they've taken the Western kind life,、mm-hmm. which is which is so ugly. It's very it's so ugly、mm-hmm. because you don't make a man、uh, wash a baby's napkins. This is why they don't even have napkins anymore. You know,、mm-hmm. <laughs> they have these. <laughs>、yes. <laughs> They have the so-called pampers. Exactly. But, but, yes. But doesn't make a woman. Where's the pride of washing your napkins for your baby?、Mm-hmm. Your napkins you wash them. They look so white until the child is a year old. You know that that old feeling of being a mother. Exactly. The old feeling of being a a, a housewife.、Mm-hmm. You cook for your husband. He sits on the table. He enjoys your food. But these husbands of now. <laughs> These so-called husbands of now—they don't even know the kind of cooking you do. You know what I'm、mm-hmm. saying? Because these girls—they go to 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 buy food in in, in restaurants and bring <laughs> the food to the house. Yes, and warm it up.、Uh-huh. That is so true, my Dorothy. So, what would be your advice to a, an African woman who's listening let, to let, you let, right let, now? Let's, let's go back to being an African woman. You know, it's so nice. It's so nice for you to bring your food to the table for your husband.
yes. washes shirts, you know, mm-hmm. dresses, trousers, dresses. You know, it's so beautiful, don't you think? I agree 100%. It's good to give your husband or the man in the family that due respect. Exactly, exactly. You know, and, and let's stop this thing you know, of saying equal rights at home. There's a limit. Equal rights at work, yes. Now, how about some words of wisdom from multi-award-winning South African music legend Sibongile Kumalo? I want to say to, to, to you, young woman, young man, young girl, young boy, that the world is indeed your oyster. The world is indeed a platform that you must grab. Whatever opportunity opportunities come your way, grab them, run with it. Um, Sometimes we want, we need other people to believe in us, and it's a good thing when you find somebody that does believe in you. But sometimes it's not going to happen. You are going to be the driver of your own destiny. I will use the example of Priti Yende, who studied in Cape Town, came all the way from Pitratif, studied in Cape Town at the Cape Town College of Music, Cape Town University College of Music. And now is, is, is holding her own abroad, comes back home, gives back, goes back, cleans whatever she does, and is giving back to her own um, community. And yet at university, people who know her say, we never thought she would go this far. Not because she wasn't talented, but I guess because she was, she was a, quiet, a more quiet kind of, 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 of young, a young woman. And now she's just she was given these opportunities and she's grabbed them with both her arms and she's running with it. And to the women of this country, your past is not your destiny. Your past is what happened in the past. You are here now. Take your present now. It is a present. It is a gift. Take it and shape it whichever way you want it. Not as a victim, but as a victor. You are the victor of your past. You, you, Mbogoto, are the one that can shape your future. It's now. It's here. Again, what happened in the past might shape your view of, of, of the world, but it is not your destiny. Your destiny is what you do with your life now. <laughs> Finally, I bring you the wise words from South African actress Florence Masebe. No woman can do it all. There, there is no such. We manage to do what we do because you have such broad support systems, be it from loved ones, be it from assistants and, and a whole team, from the mm-hmm. agents and the manager and, um, you know, just even that young girl who is an intern at the studios who runs after me with a cup of coffee when I get to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. Trust me, those are the people that make me look like I'm a woman who has it all under control. But I know I manage because I have so many other shoulders to lean on. I would like to wish every single woman in South Africa a very, very happy Women's Month. 
I would like to challenge you to go out of your way this Women's Month to not just say Happy Women's Month, but to try and make a difference in the life of a woman who may not be as fortunate as you are. I think the heroes of 1956 already did what they could for that era and that time. What we called upon to do now is to make a difference in each other's lives and stop looking above ourselves to government and everybody else to make the change. Let us make each other's lives a better life as the women of South Africa. And this has been my special edition of Catholic View for Women's Day. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast. Remember that I'll be back again tomorrow evening at the same time. Until then, do enjoy what's left of Women's Day. This program is produced and presented to you by Shayla Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Shayla Pirsch.